Well, I've been really excited about um, sharing with y'all this morning. It's good to see y'all. It's, uh, it's July 4th. It's Independence Day. It's, summertime has come. Now, we've got a little brief respite from the heat today. but uh, The other day, actually on Father's Day, um, my family had gathered at our house, and we were going to celebrate the, all five dads in our family. And it was, uh, we were marveling over our favorite fruit. Our favorite fruits. And we were comparing the best of one kind of fruit to the best of another kind. Like, if you take the best apple and you compare it to the best banana, which is better? And then we say, well, the best strawberry to the best blueberry, which is better? And the best cherry to the best grape, or the best watermelon to the best cantaloupe. You, you can get the idea. I mean, this can kind of go on for a while. Which is, which is the better? Really deep conversations. <laughs> hey, you wait. You wait. Then we happened upon deciding if we were going to pick the best of the best, what would be the best? And you know, you can have bad fruit. It's moldy, it's, it's bruised, it's diseased, it's, it's tastes like cotton or whatever. Um, but when the texture and the taste and the sweetness and the aroma all come together, and what did we choose? A peach. A peach. Oh, wow. <laughs> A peach. A fresh fragrant, ripe, sweet peach with just drips down your mouth. When you bite it, you just bite it. Peach juice. Now, the really great thing about this conversation, it wasn't just academic. It wasn't just talk. Because to celebrate Father's Day, Jason and Jessica had brought a box of peaches. And some of the peaches they had made into... uh, ice cream mix Mm. and so they made peach ice cream right there on the spot and then we tasted this fresh peach ice cream (sighs) don't y'all feel refreshed already (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've got any fresh peach ice cream right here Carla (laughs) but uh, and we're out of peaches in our house until Tuesday you know There's such a huge difference between talking about fruit and actually tasting and enjoying generous scoops of fresh peach ice cream. So any talk about the fruit of the Spirit is going to be like that. You know, the best we can do is uh, talk about it. But to really taste it, You've got to experience it, right? You've got to really experience it. The Lord is so good and creative to provide fruit that we have. You know, there's more kind of... When we go to Peru, they always bring out these fruits that we've never seen before in our life. Say, oh, you need to try this fruit. Oh, this these fruits from the jungle, you need to try them. You know, they come out and they look like a star. They look like... It it could be anything. They have like 10 different colors of bananas you can get purple ones and green ones and yellow ones and orange ones and red ones and they come short and big and there's just so many kinds of fruit and I was thinking about um, you know we enjoy fruit we we look forward to having fruit we share them with others it gets us excited to think about it I've already had your mouth watering talking about the peaches um, but I was thinking about the kind of fruit that the Lord provides us through the working of the spirit and I know for me and probably for all of you, the last 16 months have been filled with stress and worry and fear 
and disgust and dissatisfaction and, and maybe apathy and you're just tired of you're tired of it. The anxiety and the turmoil and the and the blame. Everybody blaming. And it comes out of, you know, the pandemic and all the COVID related things and then the, the racial conflict and recognizing the sins of our past that have maybe are still carried on in a lot of people. But I and I was thinking, well God, how am I gonna tie that with Independence Day and this fruit together. So just bear with me and listen. Um, Because I'd like to bring to your attention today God's blessed plan for a harvest of fruit from your garden. The garden of your life. What kind of fruit is coming forth? So we think about Independence Day and freedom. Because the saving power of Jesus Christ, all who call upon him, gain the freedom to finally be fruitful in God and for God. We have a Savior who has yielded for our enjoyment the fruit of the Spirit to the fullest extent possible. He's shown us what it's like. And let me remind you that from the very beginning of time, God has been interested in fruitfulness. After speaking forth all of creation... What was the first instruction he gave to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, here's the scripture. It's in Genesis 1, 28. And the the first four words are important. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that interesting? He commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, but look, he blessed them before he called them to that. So they they were called to be fruitful and multiply because they had been blessed. Outside of themselves, God blessed them and they had no nothing to manufacture this fruitfulness, but God had blessed them first. You know, this gives us a good idea, the sequence that God desires and provides for us. He commands what we cannot do on our own so that we must come to him for aid and help and power to do it. He commands us to do things we cannot do so that he has to be the one to come to help us to do them. He blesses us so that we can be fruitful. He provides for us so we can engage in activity that multiplies or adds to what he's already given, producing more of the good fruit that glorifies him. You know, he spoke this to Adam and Eve. And what did he say to Noah after he opened the door after the flood? Be fruitful and multiply. What did he say to Abraham when he called him in faith? Be fruitful. What did Abraham tell Isaac, the son of the promise? Be fruitful. What did Isaac tell to Jacob, the second born who was raised to the firstborn? Be fruitful. Uh, then you go to John the Baptist and he's talking about repent and be fruitful. Then you go to Jesus, and he starts putting numbers on this. He says, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, be fruitful and multiply. And then you go to, to Paul, and he starts writing, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. You know, John the Baptist said, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's the one who said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So he's bringing in these ideas. Then Jesus picked up this idea. And I want to ask you this question. What is meant by being a fruitful Christian? You know, these days, um, 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit seem to receive a lot more attention than perhaps the fruit. Yet it is the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit that clearly reveals one's true progress in growing in Christ, one's true sanctification. So gifts, unfortunately, can be counterfeited sometimes. The fruit, never. You can't counterfeit the fruit of the Spirit. God is pleased when we exercise the spiritual gifts he gives us. But he may well find more delight when he sees his people manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, none of you woke up this morning, said to yourselves, you're getting out of bed, oh, I really want to be unfruitful today. I'm, I'm saying this on faith, that none of y'all said that. But maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I should say that no Christian should wake up in the morning and say this. I want to be unfruitful. I want to be fruitful. Do you want to be fruitful? You just look around this room. Do you want to be fruitful? How can we be how can we multiply our fruitfulness? Now I don't intend to make anyone feel guilty or depressed this morning. For how can we be depressed when God has blessed us? How can we be discouraged when God has set us free from the law of sin and death? How can we be disengaged when God wants to give us his very heart? I was listening to this song just this morning. And I'm going to play it for you later, but it, it, it kind of, very simple, two-minute song. It sang about the fruit of the Spirit. And then it said, God, you've given us your very heart. Well, think about that with me. What is the fruit of the Spirit if it is not the heart of God? I mean, what else would the Holy Spirit desire to create in us except the heart of God? And this is nine different ways to look at the heart of God. The Bible uses the word fruit to describe the combination of inward evidence and outward display of the harvest that grows from one's inner self. Fruit from the farm is in itself the very seed of multiplication. You know, you got to think about it. when you eat the fruit, <laughs> for the most part, you're eating the seed that is going to multiply. So you think, when I'm eating that fruit, and the other thing to think about is that when you eat, you get a cherry and you're going to plant a cherry to grow a cherry tree, you can't harvest cherries tomorrow. Some of these, now, bean, snap peas, and maybe cantaloupe, zucchini, you can harvest in a couple of months. But not almond trees. <laughs> you can't harvest almonds tomorrow or oranges or something. Some of these fruits take a while to develop. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds us of that whole seed time and harvest. And of course, the seed is the multiplication. And that's where Jesus got the 30, 40, 30, 60, and 100 fold return. You know, <clears throat> um, this fruit we produce includes our habits and our actions and our desires and our attitudes and our spoken words and our thoughts. And we can think about the fruits as the con, the, the, the actual output itself, but really it's, 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 it's what drives our heart. In the natural world, people can only produce bad fruit because they've never been set free from the law of sin and, of sin and death. That is, their actions are going to be sinful and their deeds and their behavior. Even Romans 7, 5 says... For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. 
So before Christ, when we're living in the flesh, we bear fruit for death. So you can see how different it is because God disassociates himself from death. He's all about life. Now, is it any different for Christians? Well, we too are born with a sinful nature. So we naturally produce bad fruit until we are set free. A vital thing to know about being a fruitful Christian is a vital thing to know about being a Christian, period. The Bible teaches that a Christian is one who is born again through faith in Jesus Christ. He's remade into a new creation and empowered by the Holy Spirit to become one in Christ and is now finally able to put away sin, the works of the flesh, and to produce the Holy Spirit's fruit. If you turn to Galatians 5, we're going to look at what Paul has written. Uh, he exhorts us of these words and he gives us the, the fleshly example and he, then he gives us this, this, the work of the Spirit. And as we think about these things, consider... When we get to the work of the Spirit, consider that these are matters of God's heart. This is His life that He's given us. Galatians 5, we'll start with verse 16 with these words. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, why do I want to talk about this today? I've just seen a lot of the lust of the flesh in the past 16 months. You can't hardly watch the news. You can't look at social media. You can't hear the commentators talk. You can't read the newspaper without depression and fear and anxiety and all these things pouring over you. You know, let's, who can we blame? Who can we blame for our problems? Who can we point out and accuse because I'm not happy? You know, and I'm thinking, the whole world is going through this. There's got to be a better way to live. There's got to be a better way to live. So he, he says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what is the lust of the flesh, you may say? Well, we're going to find out. This much is clear in the beginning. To stop living in the flesh. How many of you want to stop living in the flesh? You don't have to raise your hand. But you can if you want. Make it. Yeah, I want to do that. Go out with a bang, right, Carl? Yeah, yeah. Last thing I say in this house. I want to stop living in the flesh. <laughs> Walk by the Spirit. The Christian life can be likened to a pilgrimage. We are going on a journey to a beautiful destination, both inspiring and glorious. And the journey has already begun. In view of Scripture, we travel by walking, which is a slow but steady means of transportation. As we walk, we face barriers of every kind that block our progress. No one races through the obstacle course of temptation. Everyone regularly faces the dangers of the flesh. Paul goes on, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. This is the battle we're in. Every one of us is in this battle. Nobody escapes this battle. We're afflicted by sin and weakness. We're exhausted and discouraged by issues with perhaps family or at work. Or we're agitated by news reports and social media posts. We're constantly the old man is fighting the new man and striving to choke him out and choke out the influence of the Spirit. Though much of this warfare is internal and visible, frequently there are outward signs of the damage incurred in the battle. 
That's what Pat does. She finds out what's gone inside, what the damage done inside, and she tries to bring healing to it. In fact, that's what all of us try to really do with our friends. We hear them out. We hear what's going on in the inside of their heart. Or at least, maybe we could do a better job of really hearing what is going on inside of their heart. <coughs> Although much of the warfare is internal and visible, frequently there are outward signs of the damage incurred. When the Spirit is victorious in someone, we see the fruit of the Spirit. When the flesh wins, we see the evidence of the victory of the flesh. Now just think about people you know. Do you see evidence of the flesh winning in their life or evidence of the Spirit? Now we're all a mixed bag, so we got some of each, perhaps. Paul, before Paul explains the fruit of the Spirit, he first identifies and exposes <clears throat> the works of the flesh, or at least some of them. The bad fruit, if you will. For these stand in stark contrast and opposition to the fruit of the Spirit. We'll start in verse 19. This is a hard list to, to read. Just honest with you. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul's pretty clear. It's hard to misunderstand what he's saying. You'd have to, you'd have to really turn off your, your brain to misunderstand what he's saying. Knowing the works of the flesh helps us recognize them and helps us understand the ways and the strategy of the enemy to destroy us. This is how the enemy destroys us. These works of the flesh will capture and bind and separate us from God. Paul says these sinful practices provide sufficient evidence that souls who perform them regularly are lost and unregenerate. Now, it is possible for a redeemed person to fall into any one of these sins for a season. Each of these sins has been manifested at one time or another, by the greatest of saints. But they are not the normative life of the Christian, as these traits are of one who is not born again. It also reminds me, and should remind us, that everyone produces fruit of some kind. It's not, it's not that you can be neutral in producing fruit. You're going to produce fruit. Whatever is the garden of your heart is the fruit you're going to produce. Whatever trees... And, and plants you attend to, that's the fruit you're going to get. Now think about that. You can either produce the, the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. Because this list carries such a stern warning, let's look at each one. But before we do, remember this. If you are guilty of these works, you are to repent. 
If you are innocent of these works, don't get filled up with pride over your success. Just thank God for his amazing grace that we just sang about. Thanks to Jason. We just sang about this amazing Adultery. A prohibition of the seventh commandment. It's the violation of sanctity of marriage via illicit relations among married people. Fornication. Usually refers to sexual intercourse among unmarried people. In this text, it has a broader meaning to include illegitimate sexual intercourse in the widest sense of the word, including homosexual acts. Uncleanness. This is also a sexual behavior popular language calls dirty. Licentiousness. A wild, unruly lifestyle that is restrained and out of control. Idolatry. The pagan worship of idols or false gods. Idolatry can even include such things as worship of material possessions. Sorcery. The practice of magic and the involvement in forbidden practices such as spiritualism, fortune-telling, astrology, and the like. Hatred. This refers to a character of hostility, grudge-bearing, and disgust. Contentions, seen in a quarrelsome attitude, argumentative and combative. Jealousies, self-centered spirit that despises other people's success. Outbursts of wrath. This indicates a character of hot-headed temper fits. Selfish ambitions. A ruthless desire for personal gain at the expense of others. Dissensions. The critical spirit that is always bickering, fruit, feuding, and bullying. Heresies. This involves a willful belief in what goes against established truth. It includes theological errors and attitudinal and behavioral errors. I'm sorry the list is so long. Envy. Envy involves the desire to possess what belongs to someone else. This can include nurturing ill will towards those who enjoy certain benefits. I just see I just see the newspaper printing explaining situations. Murders. Christians are probably not outright murderers, of course, but Christ's words about hating one's brother in Matthew five should always come kept in your mind. Drunkenness. The intemperate use of alcohol and other drug abuse. Revelries, the lifestyle of the wild party goer who enjoys uninhibited orgies or drinking bouts. And then there's number 18 in this list, and the like. He doesn't even list all of them. There's too many to list. There are too many works of the flesh to list them all. So he gives us 17 to kind of give us a good summary. Unfortunately, these sins are still rampant today, causing unending trouble. Over against these foul works of the flesh, Paul shares the beautiful fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 22. And these are words that we remember. These are sweet. This is like that firm, fresh peach, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such... There is no law. Why would, have, why would God have a law against his own heart? He doesn't. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. These characters, the fruit of the Spirit, are beautiful. They're fragrant. They taste great. And they make into a life of the same. They reveal complete freedom from the law by the power of the Spirit. You're no longer bound by that law when the Spirit is working His fruit within you. Their presence shows that the fleshly passions have been put together. As we consider each one, we're going to walk through those two. Remember, if you yield this fruit, then thank God for His amazing grace in your life. If you haven't reached the level of fruitfulness you desire, don't get discouraged. Just pay attention and receive the hope Jesus gives. So let's look at the first one. I mean, why not start with love, right? Love does not depend on finding something lovely to act upon. Most of the time we think of love, I'll love something that's lovely, but something that's ugly, I'm not going to love it. But that's not the way God looks at it. His love flows out of who He is. And He loves the the unlovable. He, He loves the ugly, like me. He loves the sinner, like me. And then we are to show the same heart. For having received the love of Christ, we are to share His love with others wherever we go. So love puts other people first and sacrifices self on their behalf. Now, not to the end that you destroy yourself, There's wisdom in how to display your love, but that's the heart. This kind of love only comes from God's power. That's why it's His fruit. And why do you think love is listed first? Because if we're thinking about these things as the heart of God, and the Bible says that God is love, then this is where it begins. It begins with the heart of love. So a question for you. Do you labor for the good of your brothers and sisters in love? Joy. Okay, I've heard a lot of joy talk about joy and happiness and those sorts of things. But joy, what that we're talking about here, doesn't depend on happenstance. It doesn't depend on circumstance because it is independent of our worldly situation. To be sure, the joy of the Spirit is first our joy in Jesus. But our genuine joy in Christ overflows to all who are being remade in this image. So now we delight to see His joy in the faces of the saints. Not simply because we enjoy being around the saints, but we enjoy seeing them become more and more like Christ. And when you see somebody who's really struggling and start, they start winning the victory because they're paying attention to the work of God in their life and they're paying attention to the Word, that brings you joy and you see, it gives you joy to watch them grow. So the question, oh, not yet. Um, <clears throat> Paul says it like this in Philippians 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So the question about joy, do you delight in the Christ-likeness of God's people? When you see somebody that's really Christ-like, you see somebody that's striving to be more Christ-like, does that bring you joy? Now, Peace. Now these next two have really have been words that God 
spoke to me, it seems like, you know, 16 months ago, the very beginning of COVID, I thought, peace and patience. God, give me peace and patience. Through all of, because we're in the middle of a political campaign. And then all the, the racial tension and unrest and all the things that were going on. And then the whole COVID thing and later on, and it was just layer after layer after layer. Lord, I need peace and I need patience. Right now. <laughs> Peace means everything is good within ourselves and in relationships with others. Harmony, friendliness, safety, order, contentment, even rest. Jesus obtained this peace on the cross. The Holy Spirit then applies this peace of Jesus to us as he works to unify the church. Jesus takes Jew and Gentile. Jew and Samaritan makes him one new man. Jesus is the answer to black and white tension. He's the answer. The Holy Spirit gathers together former enemies as members together of the household of God. The Holy Spirit builds us all together into a holy temple in the Lord. This is the peace of God. Question about peace. Do you strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit? even at significant personal cost. Patience. Well, patience does not just refer to keeping your temper or waiting out of inconvenience when you're driving somewhere or standing in the longest line at the grocery store. <clears throat> patience is more than that. And that does require patience, especially for me, it requires patience. It means long-suffering and endurance in the face of abuse or persecution. It's very difficult to be patient then. It's a spiritual strength. It enables us to receive an offense full in the face and then look right over it. Like it says in Exodus 34, 6, patient people are like God, slow to anger. Slow to anger. Even when we're confronted with repeated provocation. Patience. That is the temptation. And I'm so glad that he only listed nine. You know, uh, there's 17 of the others. Patience. And maybe this question is for some of the people here. Are you growing in your ability to overlook offenses and irritations? Are you growing in your ability to overlook offenses and irritations? Do you even want to? If you want the heart of God, then you will want that. Well, what's next? Kindness. We're getting to the heart of God. The Bible never tells us to be nice. But the Holy Spirit does work in us to develop kindness. Where niceness often comes to play is out of a fear of what others will think or do if we're not nice. Kindness is much more comprehensive than that. Kindness displays a moral goodness and integrity to do the considerate thing, the right thing with the power to do it, the energy to do it, the commitment to do it. 
It is one thing to receive an offense and walk quietly away. We, we can call that patience. You receive an offense, you just turn the other cheek and you walk away. Kindness is different. It's quite another thing to receive offense, refashion it in the furnace of your soul, and then restore it back to that person as a blessing. That's kindness. If you're only kind to the people that are good to you, that's not kindness at all. You can truly only be kind to those who aren't kind to you. I mean, that's where God... We're, look at the heart of God. Isn't that what He does for us? He's kind to us when we are not kind to Him. That defines kindness. Kindness question. <clears throat> do you not only overlook offenses, but do you also repay them with love? See, I would hold off on which one you're going to not pursue until I get to the end. Because this one, oh man. And of course, you know, I've been, I've been reading this book about the heart of Jesus, gentle and lowly. That Jesus was the kindest man that's ever existed. And that's the heart he shows me. And that's the heart he wants for me. <clears throat> you not only overlook offenses, but also repay them with love. Think of all the marriages, the husband and wife, if kindness was a part of their family. And soon to be married. If kindness, wow, everything would change. I'm sure if you talk to divorce attorneys and you said, "Tell me about kindness," they say, well, "What's that? Mm-hmm. And what do they What do they observe? What's that? <clears throat> Goodness is virtue and holiness in action." In life, it is characterized by deeds motivated by righteousness and a desire to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. It will display a disposition to others to be useful and generous and helpful. One is ready to act in a good will. Such people, you know, we try to put limits and box around this thing, but there's no limit to, to goodness. Such people do not simply do good when they stumble upon good things to do. They resolve to do good, as Second Thessalonians 1.11 says. For they seek to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, Ephesians 5, 8-10, and then they do it. They're looking for ways to be good, to do good. They're stretching their imagination. They're dreaming about how they can be good to one another. Question about goodness. Do you dream up and pursue opportunities to be helpful to others? Like your neighbor, your students, whoever it is you work with. Faithfulness. <clears throat> we yield to the Spirit's work to see the fruit of faithfulness. When we are full of faith in God, which means that we trust Him, we believe His Word, and we act according to that faith. We, will be, we want to show faithfulness to God. But I think the fruit of faithfulness goes beyond faithfulness to God. Because that would be sort of limited. There's much more territory to whom we can show faithfulness. Consider that the faithfulness of God includes his always doing what he says he will do. Jesus 
does always does what he says he's to do. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to those to whom he gives his word. He who calls you is faithful, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24. He will surely do it. So the faithfulness of God's people, the work of the Spirit, includes our making every effort to do what we'll say we'll do, even when it's costly. You know, I remember at work one time, 20-some years ago, I, I just got promoted, and the people that used to be my peers, they were now working for me. And I had them in a meeting and said, look, if we're going to be known for anything as, as this organization, we're going to be known for if we tell you that we're going to do it, then we do it. We don't come up with excuses later. We do it. That's what, that's what we want to be known for, is doing what we said that we would do. And God, God blessed it. Faithfulness. You do what you say you'll do, even in the smallest matters. You do what you say you'll do, even in the smallest matters. Gentleness. I'm told that there's not a really good English translation of this Greek word. But let's, let's take a stab at it, shall we? Gentleness. In the Bible, gentleness is emphatically not a lack of strength, but rather the godly exercise of great power. When tested, great restraint. It is a restraint. It might be restrained by humility and grace. It is power restrained by humility and grace. Let's put it that way. Godly does not prevent the godly from ever expressing anger, but they are reluctant to do so because they would far rather employ love in the spirit of gentleness, as 1 Corinthians 4.21 says, whenever they need to correct others. This is a particular difficult thing for me. It has been, for instance, at work. I, would, I could be very gentle until I was tested, and then I might fly off the handle like that. And, um, and God's been working. This has been like an oak tree in my life. It's just taken a long time to ever see the acorns come after planting. Um, when Jesus came to save sinners, he robed himself with gentleness, didn't he? Shouldn't we do the same? Gentleness. Question about gentleness. Do you use your strength to serve the weak? And then the last one that Paul gives us in this list. Self-control. The ability to control our thoughts, our own thoughts, our words, and our actions. It requires great strength. If you've ever tried to stop doing a habit that you've had in the past, how many of you find that difficult? It takes a while. They say, you know, 30 days in a row you do this thing and finally you will have conquered it. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. It's just an old piece of wisdom. It takes a while to demonstrate self-control over thoughts, what I'm thinking about, my words, and my actions. Paul writes, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. I discipline my body and I keep it under control. That's in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 27. <laughs> The root word of self-control implies a robust power, mastery, and restraining that applies to every bodily appetite. Not only sleep, food, and caffeine, but in particular to sexual appetites. And that's why I think he concluded with self-control after he'd given us all these works of the flesh earlier. 
Paul's teaching concerning self-control scared Felix, the governor he confronted during his trials. That's what the Bible says in Acts 24. Felix was scared when he heard. He says, what are you saying, Paul? Self-control. You mean I can't pursue these lusts? Who has power to control that? <clears throat> question. I know this question is not fair. That's all right. Do you refuse the cravings of your flesh? Do you want to? Where do, you, where do you go when God starts laying His Word out in front of you? <clears throat> the Bible calls us to be fruitful from beginning to end. It is on God's heart for us to do it. But we can't do it on our own strength. You know, if you look around, be fruitful and multiply. Look at the number of leaves on a tree. Now really, does it take every leaf on that tree? Or is God just being fruitful does it take every star in the sky to be a sky why did God multiply so many stars does it take every grain of sand on the beach to have enough sand why did God make so much sand and you think about God's multiplying and being fruitful it's who he is this is who he is that's why he's not a single Entity. He's three and one. He's <clears throat> but being fruitful is God's heart for us, but we can't do it in our own strength. Being fruitful cannot be achieved by human willpower, but only by the power of God. The Holy Spirit must work in and through the believer that God fully expects those who are born again and belong to Jesus to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's start with that. We'll conclude with that. God expects this to happen. He fully expects those who are born again and belong to Jesus to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He can expect this because He has blessed us for this purpose. He can expect this because it's His work of grace and that's not up to us. The Holy Spirit of God never indwells someone without also making them a garden of a spiritual fruit. If we are abounding in these nine graces, then we are walking by the Spirit. If these virtues are not present in us, if they're absent, then no spiritual gift can ever compensate for their lack. How then should we respond when we find that the works of the flesh have overrun the garden of our heart? <clears throat> How can we continue to cultivate the Spirit's fruit over a lifetime? Preston was sharing with me the other day. He said, you know, he was talking to Tia's mom before she passed away, like a week before she died. And uh, what's her name again? Ramona. Mona. She said, uh, Ramona, she said, so, you know, this has troubled me. And Preston said, well, it's okay. You know? She says, no, it's because of pride in my heart. Mm-hmm. And Preston said, you know, a week before she passed, mm-hmm. she was still recognizing God putting his finger on pride in her heart. And so, you know, all of us, this is the love of Christ in us to continue to work. 
How then should we respond when we find that works of the flesh, like weeds, are popping up in our garden? How can we continue to cultivate the Spirit's fruit over a lifetime? We need to remember these three steps in our walk. These are normal parts of our walk. They're not unusual steps. It's it's not a strange step. It's the normal part of walking with the Spirit. Repent to request and renew. Repent. When any of the works of the flesh have gained control over us, we must go back to repentance in order to go forward in holiness. Every time. Confess your sins honestly to God. Specifically. Use the list in in the early part of chapter 15, uh, 5 if you need to. And then go trust again in Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. Remember though, we are not justified by fruit, but by faith. We're justified by faith. And some of these fruits, although we want to microwave them and see them tomorrow, they're going to take longer. They're going to take longer. And each of us will will see different rates of growth and different levels of this. Um, And then request, or maybe this is pray. Without the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. It's His work. So if we're going to bear the fruit of holiness, then we need to ask Him who supplies the Spirit to supply the Spirit more and more and more. This is Galatians 3, 5. It's a little bit earlier in Galatians. And to renew, to look again to Jesus, whom the Spirit loves to glorify. He is the fruitful vine. Listen to this. He's the Lord of love. He's our joyful King. He's our Prince of Peace. He is our patient Master. He is our kind friend. He is our good God. He is our faithful Savior. He is our gentle shepherd. And he is our brother who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet with perfect self-control. Jesus displayed these gifts, sorry, these fruits, because the heart of God was in him. He was exact representation of God the Father. Just as no one can sit beneath a waterfall and stay dry, No one can gaze on this Jesus and stay fruitless. May the the Lord enjoy our fruitfulness just like we enjoy the fruit that he gives us. This is my heart. So I wanted to play this little song. It's only two minutes and then Jason's going to come up.
This is the heart of God for us. We look to Jesus. Lord, we look to you as the Lord of the love. We look to you as our joyful King. Lord, we look to you as our Prince of Peace, our patient Master, our kind friend, our good God, our faithful Savior, our gentle Shepherd, and our brother who was tempted just as we are, and yet with perfect self-control. Lord, we we don't want to stay dry. We don't want to stay away from the waterfall. We want to come under this waterfall and gaze upon you and become more fruitful. Or this is your very heart. This is the heart of God. This is the work of His Spirit to create in us. To refashion us, Lord, into your own image. Lord, to remove every spot and wrinkle and blemish. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with a a new desire and a new hunger for you. And, and Lord, this helps us identify what are you like and how can we live, Lord, more in the way that you want us to live. And Lord, here they are. Lord, you've asked us questions here this morning that may prompt the need for repentance, whether now or, or later, today, this week. But Lord, help us to pursue you. Help us to cast all of our fears and all of our anxious moments. All of our worry and doubt. Lord, you've got this. There's no way you're going to fail. You certainly won't begin to fail you with us. In each one of us, Lord, we, we cling to you. We call out your name. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, today we we just celebrate, Lord, what you're doing among us and within us. And Lord, we ask that you make us more fruitful. These types of fruit, Father, and all the fruits, Lord, that, that are in your mind for us. We ask you for Jesus. Jesus, we ask you for them. Lord, we do repent of how we... We've been that old man fighting against the new. We've not given up so easily, Lord. There's other fruit of the works of the flesh. Lord, we think about how much better the world would be if people lived according to the fruit of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh. And Lord, give us an idea of what heaven is like when that is the case where the fruit of the Spirit reigns. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let us be the one with patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness, with love and peace and joy, with faithfulness and self-control. Lord, may all of these graces become more evident in each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jason, would you come up? You have to come up or okay, okay. Um, well, hopefully, um, 
Thank you, God. You know, this is this is the uh, I keep thinking you know, this is the road map. You know, I think I keep I always had this idea of a, a brochure of the, of the destination. Maybe it's Disney World and it tells all the great things you can do at Disney World. There's a little map on the back how to get there. And, and the the Bible gives us it's it's kind of like this brochure, if you will, of where we're going. And how faithful God has been through the ages to reveal Himself to us. And then it all culminated in Christ, God of very God, fully man, who gave Himself for us. That we might have His heart within us. That we might live the way He lives and enjoy Him forever. Lord, I just pray that You'd give... um, Whenever we see the stars, we would think, be fruitful and multiply. Whenever we try to count them, Lord, or count the leaves on a tree, or the pine needles on a pine tree, or the grains of sand, Lord, we would try to count how you have been fruitful and multiplied. Lord, we would try to count the ways in which we might love you. Lord, there's a song that says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, or a thousand tongues wouldn't be enough. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with this hope and this assurance and this confidence that we belong to you. And we can find our greatest joy in knowing that we belong to you, that you have purchased us with a price. No matter what comes our way, Lord, we belong to you. And we give you our thanks, Lord. Lord, I pray that praise would well up within us. Or let your songs and your hymns, your your treasured words, Lord, well up within us. And Lord, we thank you for this day and what this day represents in our nation. We thank you, Lord. We've we've not given you enough thanks, Lord, to live in a place where we might worship freely. Where we might pursue, Father. Where where people where the government basically does what they say they'll do, Lord, where they protect people and they care they provide Lord we thank you for our nation and pray Lord that you would bring revival to our nation in Jesus name Julie would you share this what you shared with me about if ten God would spare you remember yeah, I started reading an article and I didn't finish it, so you'll have to... Well, the startup was great. <laughs> yes, um, it was on Desiring God. It was by a writer named Greg Morris, who is... He can paint a picture with words better than... It, just about better than anybody. He's so wonderful. And he was talking about how, in praying for our nation and all the sin that we see all around us and the sin we have in our own hearts, that there was... Um, he, he reminded us of when Abraham prayed for his, his nephew Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah and how much evil there was there in that city. And Abraham had the faith to pray, Lord, if there's just 50 and all the way down, Lord, if there's just 10, would you spare them? And there weren't 10. And so he said, you know, first he was talking about the church and for us to continue to pray and hope and share the love of God and be the character of Jesus 
in our nation. And the next he said, but God did answer Abraham's prayer because he got Lot out of there. And so just for us to have hope that all that we see all around us, God is greater than all of that. And to continue in prayer and for the church to be the church and for the church to repent. Yeah. That was a, that's a good article. Yeah. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't we take a few minutes and pray for our nation? Can we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, would y'all stand? And invite each one of you that would like to pray to pray a word for our nation. Um, Father, I pray for a spirit of repentance. Lord, there's, there's nothing that changes a person like an encounter with you that brings deep repentance where we see ourselves and we see you and we want you. And we turn from that which is dark to, to the light, to the glory of who you are. So I pray for that for us as individuals, as churches, as cities, as counties, as states, and as a nation. Lord, would you bring a spirit of repentance that leads into revival? But there can't be revival without repentance. There can't be any of that without awakening, without being able to see where we're blind, without being changed from the inside out. I pray for that kind of move, Lord. One that many say is coming, Pray, Lord. Please come with repentance and revival and awakening. Father, we know that we each need to repent individually before you, Lord. And we know that there are things in churches of people who call themselves the body of Christ, all across our land where there's been great abuse. Um, Father, collectively as your body, would you clean house, Lord? And would you, with each one of us, repent it before you? But Lord, would you clean house all across our land to purify your church? That, they're, that the world just doesn't get disgusted with us. Yes, Jesus. Mm-hmm. God, we do pray for repentance, brokenness, healing, redeeming to come forth in your, your family across our land, Lord. And Lord, we recognize um, many people who hold themselves up to being Christian have uh, have walked in the, the works of the flesh in a, in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. Of every every foul thing, Father, that, that you say is the work of the flesh, they've embraced. And some of them have hidden it and covered over and concealed it, and some have been plainly <coughs> exposed it and said, Oh, this is good, this is not bad, this is good. They've reclaimed what is good. And Lord, that's still what's going on. And sometimes it meets with repentance, and sometimes it's just it's met with pride. So Lord, we just pray that in the name of Jesus, that every knee would bow, 
to you. And Lord, Paul doesn't list slavery in that list or the horrors of man-stealing. But Lord, we, we ask you to heal our nation from partiality and favoritism, taking advantage of, of fear. Um, of uh, Lord, you, the Spirit brings Jew and Gentile together. They hated each other. Lord, the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And yet, Lord, every time we see two different cultures, they wind up hating each other. And Lord, we just ask your Spirit to move. We realize we cannot do it, Lord. All we can do is ask your Spirit to move with us and us to pray for our nation and us to live with these fruits, Lord, that you've expressed here to us this morning. We ask you, Lord, for revival. I have good these prayers out. Lord, concerning the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would help us to be attentive to our hearts. Lord, I pray that um, I just I keep thinking about my garden out there, mm-hmm. and Lord, every day there's a weed, mm-hmm. and just <laughs> yes. every day, every day, and Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help us to catch those little weeds early, Lord, before they become strong. Very difficult to deal with. So, Lord, I pray, Father, for you to show us the things in our hearts that need to be pulled out and, and um, removed, so that your fruits, Lord, the, the the fruits of the Spirit, can be the ones that really are the showstoppers. <laughs> yes, Lord. We want those to be the showstoppers. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we just, um, I just invite you in my life, Lord, to do that. And Lord, I just pray that that you would continually to work and change my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Lord, it's so easy for when us when we're looking at the world to get our eyes off of ourselves and see how easily we fall back into things that we're now rebuking others about what they're doing. And we see this whole book of Galatians and, and Paul is talking to what he calls the Judaizers and those that would try to tell Christians that they can't truly be full Christians unless they obey the law. And he says you've been delivered from the law and now you're trying to to fall back into it and, and make it Jesus plus something else. Mm-hmm. And Paul calls it in so many words the, the damnable plus. It's Jesus plus something else. And it's never plus Jesus something else. It's always if that's the case then it's a, a false gospel. It's not the true gospel. Mm-hmm. And people don't appreciate Paul when he says this and then he says have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth and Lord sadly that's going to be the case if you tell people the truth that they look at us as an enemy and Lord let it only be because the truth of Jesus is in us and not because we are 
trying to make something of ourselves or we forget our own sinful nature so Lord start with us give us a, a eyes to see and a heart to know that uh, first of all Lord it's us that has to repent it's we that have to repent so help us Lord so that through us by the Holy Spirit others might see the truth and walk in the truth and repent and it will spread from person to state to nation to your glory And Lord, where our nation has promoted works of the flesh above um, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I think about comparing adultery or fornication with kindness and self-control. Most of the world would prefer the adultery and the fornication. They would reject self-control. We see it. They reject kindness. They reject gentleness. They reject patience. They reject, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, the only hope is that they're born again. Their eyes open and they receive that gift of faith, Father. So, Lord, give us wisdom on how to live in these days. Be examples of them. Yes, Lord. Help us to be an example of those who follow Christ. Lord, because vengeance is yours, you tell us. You tell us, Lord, that faith, living by faith, expects a reward from God. So, Lord, we don't expect a reward from the world. We expect a reward from you because of our faith that you've given us. Thank you, God. Lord, do give us that fruit of gentleness when we find ourselves needing to correct. Lord, when we are provocated and provoked, let us be patient. Lord, when you ask us to love someone who's unlovable or prickly, let us love them. And Lord, we ask you to cause the joy within us to overflow. 
Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we cast all of our cares upon you. And for our situations, our families. Uh, Lord, we ask for the strength of the Spirit to be ours, for the knowledge of the revelation of who Jesus is. Lord, that you're, you open and enlighten the eyes of our heart to see you. Thank you, God. We are yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.